Hey Baker, welcome to Business is Sweet. It's easy to fall in love with the sweet art of baking. It's a bit harder to take the right steps to create a successful business around your baking. But the business side of baking is also pretty sweet. I believe that you can be paid well for your creativity, build a successful baking business from home, and enjoy the work you get to do. And in fact, I don't just believe it, I know it because I've done it. I'm your host, Brett, a self-taught home-based baker myself who's built a thriving business making a full-time income as a wedding cake designer, all from home while raising my two little kiddos. And I'm here to show you how to do it too. Welcome to the show. Hey there, Baker. It's Brett. If you've been joining along, we've been talking about how building up a baking business from scratch is just like baking up a cake. It takes a well-balanced recipe with the correct ingredients. We've been looking at the six ingredients you need to succeed with your baking business. Last time we took a look at ingredient number one in your business plan, and then we took a moment to talk about the legalities of being in business as a home baker. If you missed those last episodes where we went over that recipe for success and that first ingredient, don't forget to take a chance to go back and give it a listen later since that'll be the first step and like the first building block for building your business. Today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into ingredient number two, which is your product. Now, in entrepreneurship and in starting businesses, there's a term that people throw around, and it's called unique value proposition. And what that means is that when you start a business and when you go to sell something, your product should have a unique value, something that sets it apart from things that are already out there on the market. And that is why it's going to work as a business because it's going to fill this niche and this kind of hole that there is in the market where people have a need and something that is is a problem for them and it's not being filled yet. And the idea is that your product gives them that unique value that they're looking for, something that just isn't satisfied yet. That's unique value proposition. When you start a baking business, you want to think about this as well. How does your product fill that unique need that people have? And you might start to get a little down on yourself thinking like, well, maybe it doesn't because there's so many cookies and cakes and other bakers out there. But really, it does. You've already got a leg up on it. Because when you go into business as a home baker, what you do by making custom from scratch, homemade goods, what you do is something that people can't just go order on Amazon and they can't buy it at the grocery store. They can get like the hollow substitute, you know, the cardboard cookies and the straight up shortening cakes. (laughs) And they are, I went to the grocery store, I picked up a cake and I looked at the ingredients and not a stick of butter in those cakes. So a customer can't just go and get something that's high-end quality and that's custom-made to their tastes and their design, like what they're looking for. They cannot just go and get that. And so automatically, by being someone, an artist, a baker who does that, you already have a unique value and you already fill that need and you solve that problem for people because they can't just go get what you make anywhere. It's just not available. 
And so you don't have to stretch yourself too far to have unique value, but you also do want to think, okay, yeah, I've already, I feel this need. People can't go get it, but there are options. And so how can I make myself stand out from the rest? How can I make my product appealing and and fill that need even more? Selling a product always comes back to the customer. It always comes back to what's important to them, what they're looking for, what their need is, what they want. And so it's important to have conversations with them about about the products they're looking for, about their experience ordering from you and about their experience ordering from other places. Listening to feedback from your customers is super key to fine tuning your product. And having a good product is obviously very important to success. It's kind of the heart and soul of your business, what it is that you're selling. So you want to make sure that it's really well attuned to what your customer wants. And this brings up the idea of market segmentation. When you go to sell something and when people go to buy something, the market of customers is divided into groups of people who value different things and who care about different things. And you can probably see this in yourself when you go to shop, you know, whether you're buying a jar of peanut butter or a couch or a house or a cake, there are people who care about the quality of that product and that is their top concern. There are people who care about the price of the product and that's their top concern. There are people who care about the aesthetic and that's the most important to them. So people are divided into these groups of what they care about most. And there is a group of people at every price point. The different things that they value come at different price points. And so part of your job as a baker in business is learning what customer segment am I selling to and what customer group values the product that I'm making. Because there's a lot of people out there who don't care about what things taste like. They don't care about really even what it looks like. They just need a plate of cookies on the table or they just need, you know, a cake to cut into to just like mark that box. And for them, it's not really important to get a custom baker who is an artist who creates these beautiful, delicious things because the value isn't there for them. There's a group of people who feel like that, but just the same, if you're to just turn the other way and look at, look at these other people who really do care about what it tastes like, what it looks like. It marks this moment for them in their lives. For some people, getting to experience something so personal and artistic as a custom cake or custom cookies and, and have that be a part of their celebration, whatever it is that they're marking, that's important because life can get dragging life can get boring and sad and there's there's days that go up and down and to have just this beautiful moment that you get to celebrate and then you could you get to enjoy that thing that was made just for you that tastes so good there are people that that means the world to and the value is there for them and so they will pay for it and all of it comes down to knowing your product and to crafting it towards the target customers and I think too, I think of my my little sister, she was starting a vegan treats business and she was learning all of these recipes. We had a couple people in our family who had decided to shift into a vegan lifestyle. And so we, we were all kind of picking up on this um, 
this new kind of way of eating. And so my little sister started this vegan treats business and she's making treats and experimenting with them. And the people she was testing them on was my family. And not all of us had gone vegan. Not all of us were adopting that lifestyle. And so the people she was testing them on didn't always have the highest feedback and sometimes were a little iffy about them because that wasn't where the value was for them and they were a totally different market base and I always would tell her you need to take these to people who are vegan and see what they think because they're your target customer and you need to craft your product towards them instead of crafting it towards people who don't aren't really the people who are going to buy what you want it's like false feedback it's feedback that's not going to take you in the right direction So you need to know who your target customer is and you want to craft your product towards those people and offer the unique value to them, solve their problem, you know, show up and and serve that need that they have because it is a need. It sounds kind of silly to talk about cake and cookies and cupcakes as a need, but like I said, it, it goes deeper than just eating something. It's truly about having an experience. It's truly about, you know, having something that's out of the ordinary, that's not just the typical daily life. It's about marking moments and marking celebrations. And that is a need. People have that deep need to feel connected, to have these experiences with people. And baked goods help accomplish that. Absolutely. So we're thinking about the unique value proposition of your product. That can seem kind of scary when you're just starting out and you're still learning a lot of things. Maybe you don't have a style yet or a particular technique. You know, you're trying a lot of different things out and you're kind of just making whatever comes your way because it's an opportunity to learn. And I want you to know that that is okay. You don't have to have it all figured out right now because this first little part of your business whether it's the first few months or even the first year or a few years, it's this learning curve. It is this science experiment period where you're testing and you're growing and you're learning. And if you don't have it figured out by next month, that is okay. If you haven't had, if you don't have a set style in the next couple of weeks, you're not falling behind. And gosh, social media is going to make you think that you are, you know. I remember that feeling, getting on and seeing all these amazing bakers. And here I was with just a few things to post. And people had already really special, like, you know, you would see Sherry Wilson doing these beautiful buttercream cakes and lots of black cakes and colorful cakes. And like, she definitely has a style in us and an aesthetic. And then Cake by Courtney, another baker that I love, she's got these beautiful, gorgeous, simplistic, kind of rustic, homey looking cakes that are very focused on flavor. And she obviously had a style. And so it was really easy to feel like like I was falling behind. And maybe you felt that too. Maybe you felt like, gosh, why am I even getting into this? Because everyone else is already 20 steps ahead and I don't know what my style is. I don't know what direction I want to go in. That is okay. You're not supposed to know yet. And you figure it out by taking steps forward anyways. (laughs) I want you to imagine that there is a dot on a piece of paper. Imagine this little dot on a piece of paper and that dot represents where you are. (laughs) The knowledge and the skills and the experience you have at this time, that is where you are. Then there's another dot a little bit ahead on the on the paper and that marks, you know, where you want to be or where you see yourself going, like your ultimate dream of what you want to accomplish as a baker. And between those two lines, 
between those two dots, we're going to draw a line. I want you to draw in your mind a line that goes through that dot of where you are and then goes through that dot of where you want to be. Now, let me make something really clear. This is not a timeline we're drawing out in our heads. It's not a timeline because if it was a timeline, that would imply by just staying where you are, then time would naturally move you along to where you want to be, right? And that is not the case. Time is not going to automatically do it. This is not a timeline, what we've drawn in our heads. This is a progress line, a progress line whereby taking steps forward, you can get from dot A, where you are, to dot B, where you want to be. Now, I want you to imagine that, you know, you're there right where you are with the experience and the level of skills that you have. And you've got your big goal that you're trying to hit and you're going to give it a shot. You're going to give it a shot. Give it all you've got. Give it a try and put yourself out there. And let's say you only make it a quarter of the way down that line to that next dot. Just a quarter. And so now that's where you are. Can you imagine this in your head? You've taken some steps forward, but you didn't hit your goal. So let me ask you something. What got you further? Would it have been doing nothing? Or was it giving it that try and maybe not hitting that goal like you wanted to? Because now you've taken four steps forward and the next time that you try, you're going to be that much closer to the goal. And it's less of a distance you have to cross. You've gained experience, you've gained knowledge that have taken you down that progress line, that have gotten you closer and you've still got a ways to go. But guess what? You got to try again and again. And you got to keep taking steps forward until you hit that goal. And the more steps you take forward, the quicker you're going to realize like, oh my gosh, I got here quicker than I thought I was going to. When from where you were back in the beginning, it looked so far away and you were super tempted to just stay there and not put in the time and not put in the steps and the work it was going to take because it was comfortable back at that little dot, right? It was very known. There was no risk in staying where you were except the risk of not reaching your goal. I don't believe in failure. I only believe in progress. I believe that when you put yourself out there, even if you don't hit that big goal that maybe you're trying to hit, you always learn, you always grow, and it pushes you forward in the direction that you need to go. I've learned this through my own experience, and I've learned to take those moments where it's like, oh, I didn't quite hit the mark. I maybe fell a little bit short, and maybe it wasn't comfortable. Maybe something bad happened. Maybe a customer was unhappy. Maybe a cake fell over. Yes, I've had that happen. Maybe, you know, your buttercream melted or things went wrong, and it was it was a disaster, and it made you feel terrible, but you know, you take a moment to feel those emotions. You know, you don't have to be a robot. You can feel frustrated, upset, and a little bit burnt out. But what you do is then you, then you give yourself a rest and you come back and you say, okay, what can I do to make it so that doesn't happen next time? What can I learn from this? and take forward with me so that I can become a better baker, a better business person. What is it that I can learn from that experience? And that is the progress. It's not failure. All of those little down moments are just this way of propelling you forward to where you need to be. So as you start to fine tune your product and as you're in the trenches with your baking business, really trying to hone in your skills and fine tune your processes and everything that you do, there's a lot to learn. 
And you shouldn't be afraid of failure because it doesn't exist. It does not exist. You should be excited to learn and and just ready to open your eyes and your heart to those moments so that you know, so that life experience can show you which way to go. It's a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing. But we we must learn to be a little uncomfortable so that we can have that growth. Because the other, the only other option is to stay where we are and to never give it a try. And you're, you're worth more than that. You deserve more than that. You deserve a chance to really give it a go. So don't be afraid of failure. It doesn't exist. All you're going to do is have progress. I think back to my first official year with my baking business and growing my cake business and I think about one of the biggest things that helped me grow as as a baker helped me refine my skills and helped me to create products that were very high quality helped me to create a brand around them and honestly the number one thing that got me where I was was practice practicing, you know, the basics and practicing new techniques and giving myself a chance to really explore my creativity. That first year in business was I got on I got on Instagram, right? I'm building my page and people start doing so many videos. That was becoming the thing. It wasn't reels yet. It was just videos like one minute tutorials and things. And at that time, I was not very savvy with social media and I got very caught up in this idea of like, oh, I've got to make videos, got to make videos. And so I started taking time to just bake a cake here and there and saving buttercream here and there. And I would use it to make little tutorials and to film these little videos of me decorating cakes. And I'm total amateur. I don't even have a thousand followers here, but that's what I'm doing. And even though the videos itself, those didn't help grow my business. In fact, I spent a lot of time on a marketing technique that really didn't do much to gain me any customers. But the practice that I put in while I was making those cakes and the things that I got to work through as I was as I was doing those different techniques, I learned a lot and it gave me a lot of experience. I learned how to do stripes. I practiced drips. And then when I was filming, I could see in my video that my scraper was crooked and that's why my cakes weren't straight up and down and I could see where my hand was holding it wrong. And so I was able to self-correct that. And all of that practicing really grew me as a baker. I got faster. I got a lot faster once when I started filming and I would lay things out and I would have this in my mind how I wanted to do it because I was filming and I needed it to be quick because I couldn't be filming for hours and hours and hours. And so I really, I made plans and I made processes that, that helped me get faster. And that was huge growth. And it just, it came from putting in the time and putting in that effort to practice those things. I put together this little photo shoot just uh, probably six or seven months after starting and I've been making these little videos and my sister's a photographer and she was in town. So we put together a photo shoot. She was like, yes, let's get together. Let's shoot some fun pictures of you and your cakes. So we get together and I needed obviously product to photograph. And so I spent the few days before making a couple of cakes and especially I made one dummy cake. Now, if you've never used dummies, they're like these foam styrofoam pieces that look just like cake rounds. And you can get them in lots of different sizes. You can get them in like 
you know, 10 inch, 12 inch, 6 inch, 4 inch. They're small ones, big ones. You can get them, like adjust how high you want them. If they're 4 inches tall, 5 inches tall, you can get squares, hexagons. There's all sorts of kinds of dummies. And I love using cake dummies because it's a great way to practice without having to put in so many, so much time and so, so many ingredients into a cake that's not actually going for anything. So had this cake dummy and I had a couple techniques that I really wanted to try. One of them was these beautiful buttercream kind of painted looking flowers that Cynthia Irani does. Do you know who I'm talking about? You see these ads pop up on your Pinterest and it's like this beautiful kind of seafoam minty green and this kind of cascade of these delicate looking buttercream flowers. Just kind of like they look random and they look very spontaneous, but they're so beautiful. It's just this like gorgeous floral cascade. I do know which one I'm talking about. I feel like if you saw it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, yep, that's the one. I see it all the time. I loved that cake and so that was saved on my Pinterest and then I had another cake that had these kind of rough edges that had a gold lining on them and I just thought that was gorgeous and so I wanted to give those a try and I wanted to combine those two techniques and so I took my cake dummy and took my buttercream and I mixed my colors and I made this cake using both of those techniques the gold lining the rough edges the cascading floral took it to the photo shoot and my sister photographs it that cake has become my signature design. It is my number one requested cake <laughs> and it is so beautiful and every time I post it people go crazy for it and people find it and they're like this is the cake I want. This is it has it's this one or bust like it's got to be this one. In fact, just a few months ago I had a gal call me to place an order for that cake. And I, it was actually an order for a venue that's quite a bit away from me. It's about a four hour drive through canyons and things. And I told her, I was like, I'm really not in that area. Um, here's a couple of bakers down there that you can look into who would also, you know, who do a good job. And I, I admired their work. And so she's like, oh, thank you for the tip. Like, you know, I don't, I, you're right. I probably couldn't pay you to deliver it four hours away. That's quite a ways. And so she, you know, went on her way and about two weeks later, she messages me again. She's like, thank you so much for the recommendations. I just have to order from you because that design is what I want. And I know you're the one who can do it. And it was this very cool moment to realize that I had created a product with such value and such artistry that people would come to me to order it, that they would get it from me because it was me or bust for this design. And that design came because I practiced. <laughs> it didn't come because someone else gave me an opportunity or asked me for it. It was my own creativity, putting together things that I liked and and putting myself out there. Did I know at that time that I was making that cake and putting together that photo shoot? Did I know that it was going to do anything? No. I, I honestly could have had a different mindset thinking like, why am I wasting my time? Why am I wasting my money on this? Like it's, it's not going to do what I want. It's like, I'm already that far behind. Like someone's already done this. Why am I putting this time and effort into it? But that is not the mindset I had. I don't go into things with a, a mindset like that. I always believe a hundred, a hundred percent in what I'm going to do because I know I'm going to work my butt off to make it happen. And that I'm going to figure out when I have the 
failures, not real failures. When I have those moments of, of not hitting my goals, I know I'm going to learn from them and figure them out. Like that's just the, the mindset I've learned to have is, okay, it's not impossible. How can I make it work? So no, I didn't know at that time that that was going to become my signature design. And I wasn't even looking for a signature product or design. I was just practicing. I can't emphasize enough the importance of practicing to fine tune your product. Fine tuning your product is a huge key critical point in your baking business to really grow and do well. When you have a good product that people, it's like if they can only get it from you or if there's something special about it or it's just that good you know, you should always be working to improve, listening to your customers, hearing what they want, and trying to make something that really serves that need, and and just and just practicing, just putting in the time to get better and better, because sometimes it finds you. Sometimes it's not about setting out to do it. Sometimes it's just about taking steps forward and letting that take you wherever it might, because you might pivot. You might go in a totally different direction but you got to take those steps forward. So when it comes to fine-tuning your product to sell very well and to grow your business, you know, the first half of that is your product itself and the second half of that is your production process and your production efficiency. Now, I often tell people that there we talk about the startup costs of going into business. Startup businesses tend to have pretty big startup costs. You think of like a startup tech company or, or something like that where they need a lot of capital up front to get started. They need to like rent office space or they need to pay employees. They have to buy all this equipment and these and ingredients and supplies to like make the thing they're making. They have to pay people to be there doing it. They have to pay for the production. There's a lot of like startup costs involved of getting a business off the ground. When it comes to a baking business, a home baking business, you don't have to put in a lot of startup capital, right? It's not going to cost you thousands of dollars to get a location, to get equipment and stuff. You, you have most everything you need and you invest in a couple things as you go. So there's not a lot of money involved, but there is a really big startup cost that you're paying. And can you guess what it is? It's not money, it's time. It's time and it's energy. It's the time you take to learn to produce the product for your customer. And it's the extra time on your first orders that it takes to get those sharp sides and smooth edges because it's the first time you've ever done it. And it's the extra time that it takes to figure those things out. That's the cost that you're putting in. So it's really easy in those beginning startup days to feel like the trade-off isn't happening where you're not getting paid enough to keep putting this time and this energy in because things take you a long time and because you're figuring things out. That's where you're going to adopt this new mindset of startup cost that when something takes you a long time and you mess up or you have to redo something and you just feel like you're slow in the kitchen, I want you to tell yourself, like, that's a startup cost. That's an investment. It's not an expense. It's not time and money and energy just going out the window. It is you investing into yourself and into your business, and it's going to pay off later. You're putting in that big cost to get your business to a higher production efficiency. So what happens as your production gets more and more efficient, as you get faster, 
and you make less mistakes and you waste less product, you save money on all of that. Because if you think about it, let's say you're getting paid, you know, $100 for a cake and it takes you 10 hours. Well, you've got to minus the supplies, minus the ingredients, and then you divide that by the 10 hours it took you to make it and that's your profit left at the end. Chances are it's not a very high profit. But what if you get better and better and better because you're putting in the practice, you're putting in the time, and now that cake that used to take you 10 hours only takes you three. Well, look at that. You just made that much more an hour. Can you see how the math is working out there? The faster you work, the more efficient you are with your time and with your ingredients, the more you're making and the more you're able to grow your business because now you freed up all that time to take on that many more orders. I have a good friend of mine, Rachel, and we had just the funnest time a week ago. She's also a cake decorator. That's how we met and we both have kids the same age. So we'll get together and hang out and it's fun because we're both cakers, we get each other's lives. And if she's got to make cakes, I'm like, that's totally fine. We'll come over and play and I don't care if you're in the kitchen making cakes. That's what I do all day. <laughs> totally get that life. So I'm over there and we're chatting, having a great time and the kids are playing and, and she's just putting together some wedding cakes. And in like the two and a half hours I'm sitting there with her, she completes a two-tier wedding cake and a three-tier wedding cake. She's fast. And both of those cakes were like 300, 400 plus dollars. So look at what she just did because she's put in so much time to get good at what she does and to be so efficient with her time. Now she's making so much more and the trade-off is there, but it didn't happen all at once. It didn't happen in the beginning. That's something that's taken her years to build up and lots and lots of practice to build up because she just kept putting herself out there and she kept taking orders and she kept learning. That's what's waiting for you on the other side. You're on this little hill and it's taking a lot of energy to push yourself up that hill to just keep learning. Let's call this a learning curve. That's what this hill is. You're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing up and there's this point where you're like, gosh, I just want to give up. I, it's just not worth it. It's taking so much out of me. But on the other side, if you can just keep going a little further and learn those things, all of a sudden on the other side, there's this beautiful plateau where it's it's not so much of an uphill push anymore you're still growing you're still going up but now it's manageable and it doesn't take as much energy and stress and it doesn't feel like such a trade-off because you'll be getting paid for for your experience more than for your time you're going to get paid for the value you're putting out there and it doesn't have to be about trading time for money because now you've built up the experience and the skills that that's not what you're doing anymore. You're creating something beautiful and it's not taking you a million hours, but it did in the beginning. You've put in that time and that work and that's where the value is. It's your expertise and people pay for that. Being able to increase your production efficiency always co also comes down to investing in good equipment and good tools to make sure that you're able to work fast and efficient and make the best use of your time. I remember in the early days of my baking business, spending money on equipment and tools was really hard. And oh man, did I skimp by <laughs> for a long time. I had like a little secondhand kind of scraper that wasn't really a cake scraper and just kind of used it anyways. I didn't have a turntable for a long time <laughs> and it made all the difference when I finally started investing in that. And, and it, the money comes back so quick. 
it sounds scary to maybe spend $50 on equipment or maybe spend $100. You know, we all have different levels of a money mindset where we feel comfortable with spending and where we don't. But when you invest in the right tools and the equipment, it seriously helps you to really enjoy baking again because you're not skimping by, you're not stretching everything. One of the biggest things that's helped me increase my production is getting more cake pans. And I now live by this rule. I have as many pans as double the amount that can fit in my oven. So if six six inch cake pans can fit in my oven, I have 12 of those because that means I can put a second batch in without having to clean and empty and scrub in between. I can just put a whole nother batch in and that allows me to just switch things in and out so much easier. And so I can fit four eight inch pans in my oven. So I've got eight of them. That's my rule of thumb to keep things flowing in my kitchen so I don't get hung up on little bottlenecks in my production. If you can identify bottlenecks and invest in the right equipment or change up the way your kitchen is set up or or somehow make things so they flow better, that is time saved. That is money in the bank, my friend. All of this is wrapped up into ingredient number two for success, which is fine-tuning your product. Those six ingredients that we're talking about. Number one, having a plan. Number two, your product, like we talked about today. Number three, we'll talk about in the future, is your price. Number four is your customer service. Number five, your marketing. And number six, your financial management. Those are the six key ingredients in order to really grow your baking business. And if you work on each one and you really put effort into each one and getting it the best it can be, that is what's going to take you farther. That's what's going to take you over that over that learning curve and to a place where you're actually making a profit and where you're not killing yourself anymore to do this, where you're actually enjoying it and you're in control of your business. You're, you're running it instead of it running you. We're going to keep talking about these six ingredients as we go forward. And I want to invite you, if these episodes have been helpful to you, if you felt like I'm just speaking to your soul, speaking your language, and it's starting to motivate you, encourage you, if you're learning things that are helping you in your business, I encourage you to leave a review on the podcast and give it a share. Help somebody else find it. There are a lot of bakers out there just like you who are trying to make this work. They need the income or they're trying to just enjoy this creative outlet again and they need the resources that are here. So pay it forward and leave the podcast a review. Share it with one other person. Can you think of one other baker or even one other business owner who might enjoy this? Send it to them. Give it a share. They probably need it as much as you do. Here are the main takeaways from today's episode. Number one, to have success in business, you need to sell a product that has unique value. Some of that comes automatically as a baker who's doing custom goods, and you should always be thinking about it and listening to feedback from your customers on how to increase that value. Number two, there's no such thing as failure, only progress. Number three, the biggest startup cost for your baking business isn't money, it's time. Putting in the time to practice and the energy is well, well worth the investment and it pays off. Number four, be looking for ways to increase your production efficiency, including investing in the right equipment and tools and learning to get faster by practicing. I can't thank you enough for letting my show be a part of your day, whether you're in the kitchen baking, whether you're in the car driving, doing dishes, whatever it is you're doing. Thank you for joining me here. And now it's time to go out and bake it happen.